I did now, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> so, in case everybody didn't know, I do have a podcast on Anchor as well. Uh, if you look up Shummer Man, you can uh, find me there. And uh, Baruch Hashem. So, anyway, uh, page A25, we are beginning in verse 20, which is going to be Pasuk Kaf, if you want to get real fancy with it. Here we go. Third Aliyah, Parshat Korak. Thank you for joining me today. Hope everyone is doing well. All right. Adonai spoke to Moshe and Aharon saying, Separate yourselves from amid this assembly, and I shall destroy them in an instant. They fell on their faces and said, O God, God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with the entire assembly? Adonai spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the assembly, saying, Get yourselves up from all around the dwelling places of Korak, Datan, and Aviram. Just wanted to point out, it says, Get yourselves from up, or get yourselves up from all around. That is just like a lot. Like, get up. Get from away, get away from them, get from around them, like as much as possible, because it's about to go down. It says, So Moshe t- stood up and went to Datan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He spoke to the assembly, saying, Turn away now from their tents, or turn away now from near the tents of these wicked men. And do not touch anything of theirs, lest you perish because of all their sins. Swerve, Devarim 7.26 says, And you must not bring any detestable thing into your house, or you, like it, will be set apart for destruction. You are to utterly detest and abhor it, because it is set apart for destruction. There goes the Shmuda statue. Anyway, get it out of there. This is why Hashem said don't touch their stuff. Which is kind of crazy. It escalates quickly because now you have homeboy, homeboy who carried the ark. His house now becomes a house of idolatry. What? That means he went from like here to like there. Like, that's that's uh, that's pretty intense. Anyway, so let's go back to verse twenty-seven because I'm just I don't know what to do with that. The house of a levy became a house of idolatry. Don't touch his stuff because if you do, just like him, you will be destroyed. Okay, whoa, really? All right, so they got themselves up from near the dwelling of Korak, Datan, and Abiram and or Slika, I'm making sure I didn't miss anything. So they got themselves up from near the dwelling of Korak, Datan, and Abiram from all around Datan and Abiram went out erect at the entrance of their tents with their wives children and infants Moshe said, through this, you shall know that Hashem sent me to perform all these acts, that it was not 
from my heart. You know, a lot of people say, well, God knows what's on my heart. Moshe felt the same way, but guess what? He didn't stay there. He didn't just say, God knows what's on my heart. He's like, I'm just going to let Hashem show you what's on my heart. Kind of like what Yaakov says, you know, I have faith in my heart. I really love God. But guess what? I'm going to show it to you. I can show you better than I can tell you. That's what we used to say in my house growing up, you know. Anyway, uh, so we go on to say, if these men die, the, like the death of all men, and the destiny of all men is visited upon them, then it is not Hashem who has sent me. That's some Akida level dedication right there. Moshe is like, listen, bind me up, put me on the altar, go ahead. I mean, that's the level of sacrifice. He's like, Hashem didn't send me if they die like normal men do. That's intense. You know, also that's humility because Moshe clearly saw the burning bush. Moshe clearly came to Egypt with the staff of God in his hand, which, by the way, is Memtet. And clearly went against Paro when nobody else had the nerve. But he was just like, you know what? All that's behind me. I know. Yamsuf, you know, golden calf stuff. You know, okay. You know, everybody was thirsty and starving. Forgot about who gave y'all that stuff. But anyway, just we're not going to talk about it. Just, you know what? I'm not the redeemer. Hashem you know, didn't send me. So here, let's do this test. Think about the humility that takes. All right. I will refrain from commenting now. I just, humility is on my heart today. Maybe it's because I just got finished listening to the Musar with the Rumbot. Shouts out to Rumbot, Shlita. Uh, that was legit. Like, we all need to pine for Hashem. Are you serious? Okay, but anyway. Humility. So, verse 30. But if Hashem will create a phenomenon and the earth opens up or the earth opens its mouth and swallows them and all that is theirs and they will descend alive to the pit, then you will know that these men have provoked Hashem. When he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them and their households and all the people who were with Korak and the entire wealth and the entire wealth. Remember what we talked about yesterday? Korak was filthy rich, but not anymore. Verse 33, they and all that was theirs descended alive to the pit. The earth covered them over, and they were lost from among the congregation. So much for once saved, always saved. All Israel that was around them fled at their sound. It's one thing to see, but to hear it, whoa. For they said, Let the earth, lest the earth swallow us. Verse 35, a flame. Make sure that ain't Lapid real quick. Oh, Ve'esh. Okay, Brukashim. I was going to be like, a Lapid came out. Anyway, a flame came forth from Hashem and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. 
There's the Nadab and Abihu incident again. Except it was times a whole lot of more people. Chapter 17. Here we go. Adonai spoke to Moshe saying, Say to Eleazar, son of Aharon, the Kohen, and let him pick up the fire pans from amid the fire, and he should throw away the flame, for they have become holy. As for the fire pans of these sinners against their souls, they shall make them hammered out sheets as a covering for the altar. For they offered them before Adonai, so they became holy. They shall be for a sign to the children of Israel. Eleazar the Kohen took the copper fire pans that the consumed ones had offered. That's kind of messed up. It's like, hey, remember those toasty people? Here you go. Toast pans. Here we go. Bring them on in. They had offered and hammered them out as a covering for the altar, as a reminder to the children of Israel, so that no alien who is not of the offspring of Aharon shall draw near to bring up the smoke of incense before Adonai, that he not be like Korach and his assembly, as Adonai spoke about him through Moshe. The entire assembly of B'nai Israel complained on the morrow. Yesterday was not enough action. <laughs> Here we go today. All right. They complained against Moshe and Aaron, saying, You, you have killed the people of Adonai. And it was when the assembly gathered against Moshe and Aaron, they turned to the tent of meeting, and behold, the cloud had covered it, and the glory of Adonai appeared. Never, ever a good thing when you're in a dispute and a cloud shows up. It's like, hold up. It says in verse 8, last verse of our Aliyah today. It says, Moshe and Aharon came before the tent of meeting. End of our Aliyah portion, Baruch Hashem. So, a couple of things I want to start out with is if we talk about the assembly for a second, because it talks about this word congregation. So congregation, I'm going to glean from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs Shlita. He brings down, he has a little uh, write-up on uh, three types of congregations uh, that are mentioned in the Torah. There is Ada, which is what's used here in our parsha. We have Zibor. Which, by the way, the Chazan is called a Shalak, a Shliak Zibur, a messenger or a apostle, an apostle of the congregation. So, literally, why do we have in the Kedushah where the Chazan sings, we sing, we sing, Chazan sing, or yeah, we go first, then the Chazan, then we go, then the Chazan, you know, and all that? Why are we going back and forth? Because the Chazan represents the entire congregation. So it's as if we are repeating, but it's only through the Chazan, which is really just showing us why there are many members in the one body of the Mashiach. So, you know, why are we many members in one body? You know, and the Mashiach represents all of Israel. All of Israel is Mashiach. That's why Isaiah 53 is totally cool, no matter what commentary you go with. Isaiah 53 represents 
Yisrael. It doesn't represent the Mashiach. It's like, well, you clearly don't understand the concept of a Chazan. Shouts out to the amazing Chazan Shlita. Man, you're so legit. Baruch Hashem. What's the third category? Kehila. So the Kehila is the word that's actually popularly translated as Ecclesia, a.k.a. Church. Which, by the way, church comes from the word circe, so, you know, it comes from the word circus, which, obviously, that explains a lot of what's going on. No shade to the church, but I'm just saying, don't live up to your name so much. That was probably harsh, my bad. Kind of. Okay, but anyway, truth needs to be told. Let's quit playing around. Why are we playing games with the Word of God? God's not going to be playing games with us. We just saw what happened to Korok. If, we, if we're going to go against the Word of God, I mean, I'm just saying, like, do you really want to do that for the sake of your own establishment? <sighs> I was trying to be nice. Just wanted to mention that Kehila is commonly translated as church, and then it got out of hand. Okay, but anyway... The reason why there are three types of ways to call the community is because they all have a different association. So let's just stick to the parsha with the word Ada. So Ada comes from the word meaning witness. And it says these or the people who constitute an Ada have a strong sense of collective identity. We are in this together. Okay? Same mind. Same heart. We got the same mama and the same daddy. We going in like an incision together. That's an Ada. So Korak and his Ada. It's like you might as well say Korak and whoever uh, was with him, like at least 250 people, which is like Korak times 250. So it's a whole bunch of Koraks, basically, is what we're saying. And Hashem was like, yeah, disassociate yourself from that. Which means that if you are with Korach, you are not with Hashem. Remember this one time Mashiach was like, if you're not with me, you're against me. Because his Talmudim was all turned up like, Mashiach, you know people out there are, are teaching and stuff. And they're, they're talking about Torah, but they're not, they're not with us. Mashiach was like, leave them alone. They're, they're teaching Torah. It's, it's all good. Hey, they're not against me. Because, you know, they're not against Torah. They're not against me. I, I find that very, very interesting. Because a lot of times people get on this little zone about, oh, you believe in that JC guy. There's no way that you can be a kosher Jew. Your conversion in that name can't be valid. And it's like, well, clearly... Mashiach associates himself with the Torah. So if we're talking about a Mashiach who is associated with the Torah, there's nothing invalid about that. Did you know that? If you didn't, now you know. Which brings me to a new weapon that I got. This is uh, by uh, Rabbi Raskin Shlita. And so Parsha Mnemonics. Mnemonics is when you take the number of verses in the parsha and you start digging. You know, do some gematrias and counting and things like that. Well, he says the parsha of Korach contains 95 pesukim, 95 verses. 
Pesuk is verse. Pesukim is verses. All right. So the gematria of that 95 is Daniel. So now he's like, what's the connection between Korach and Daniel? By the way, the gematria 95 is the two letters, Sadi and He. There's another form of gematria called Atbash, where you replace every Aleph with a Tav, every Bet with a Sheen, and then you go all the way down the line. It's really cool. Look up Atbash Cipher. And it's basically the Hebrew uh, letters mirrored on each other. So when it comes to the letter Sadi, underneath Sadi, it interchanges with the letter Hey. So this is interesting. So we got a mirror reflection here, even in the gematria of 95. So anyway, uh, going on, he says that the mnemonic of Daniel sheds light on the role of Korach being from the tribe of Levi. Korach was very familiar with the law that the Levites will become Kohanim when the Mashiach comes. He so much wanted to make this happen in his lifetime that he arrogantly challenged both the authority and positions of Moshe, even putting his own life in jeopardy for his cause. Ultimately, the ground opened up and swallowed Korak and his family alive, and a fire consumed his 250 accomplices. The Rebbe explains that although his actions were wrong, his philosophy was correct. So, the thing is, this really, again, just goes back to what we've been talking about with wanting to make Aliyah. Like, we, we should, but make sure your actions are correct. So, I want to go here to my next point uh, about everyone going into the pit because for all intents and purposes, it looked like that everyone in Korak's family just gone. But we talked yesterday about the sons of Korak, and we even talked about the prophet Samuel who descend from Korak, but yet everybody from Korak's house dropped into the pit, which, by the way, is Gehenna, a.k.a. hell. So... Literally, you have a saved, sealed, covenant believer that was and sent to hell. That should kind of like, whoa, you know, because why did he go to Gehenna? Why did he go south instead of north? Because he got rid of the Torah. He said Hashem doesn't exist. Salvation doesn't exist. Moshe is illegitimate. So therefore... Put me in charge. And Hashem was like, you sound a lot like Hasatan, who said, I will be like the Most High, and uh, I will even be greater than the Most High. So guess what happened to him? He went south, just like Korach. So let's, let us not be like Korach. So over here in the Kehert Humash, how did Korach's sons get saved? Because they they completely were on their way they're literally on a on a highway or a low way, shall we say, to Gehenna. They were on the highway to the danger zone. It says Korok's sons, however, who plotted the rebellion together with their father, along with Datan and Abiram, did not die because during the dispute they regretted their involvement. Nonetheless, they did not have the strength to act on their thoughts of Teshuva and continue to participate actively in the rebellion 
They therefore suffered a commensurate punishment. The earth swallowed them along with the other rebels. So it appeared to everyone else that they had indeed perished. See, that's the other thing why, you know, Rabbi Griffin Shlita says this all the time. I, we are not in the business of whether people are, are saved or not and whether they're going to Gehenna or not or whether they're going to make it into the Alam Haba. That's not our role. We, we don't know. Even people who looked like they were going to Gehenna didn't go to Gehenna. Why? Because Teshuvah. Only Hashem knows people's hearts, truly. We think we know our hearts, but all we know is deceitful and des desperately wicked. Hashem is like, well, I know if you're making Teshuvah or not, so don't play games. So, anyway, we can't tell, and that's not our job. So, it goes on to say, the earth swallowed them, but underground, where no one could see, God provided them with a shelter, where they lived until the generation of Korok's rebellion had died out, whereupon God allowed them to emerge and rejoin the people. What is that? Yep, in the 40th year. So 38 years later, here they come. It's like, I thought you guys were dead. 38 years. What? Anyway, so just a little uh, drop on that. Here's from Sha'ar Ha'emuna Ve'yesod Hasidut. Entrance uh, uh, to the gate of Yaakov 24.2. Source it out. Says, God has given us the good approach of repentance and prayer. You know, like Romans 10, 9 stuff. Confess and believe with your mouth what's in your heart. You know, that Yeshua is our salvation. Well, check this out. Because we're talking about confessing Torah. Confessing the spirit of Hashem. Confessing the word of God is what we put our hope and our trust in. Because when you put your hope and your trust in Mashiach Yeshua, you're putting your hope and your trust in the Torah, which is putting your hope and your trust in Hashem, which is in turn going to fill you with eternal life. Ruach HaKodesh and stuff like that, you know, just a few things. It's just a little exchange. No, it's a big exchange. Whoa. <laughs> Talk about escalating quickly. It says, he has made it possible for every person to return to him and receive his mercy and to be blessed with all kinds of goodness, even in this world. Through the power of teshuva and prayer, even harsh decrees that are up on him will be transformed into good. I said, it will be transformed into good. Can we get a amen? Because I don't know about you, but I got some stuff that needs to be transformed into good. Rusham says, this is because complete teshuva and prayer born out of one's earnest imuna enables a person to cleave to the source of life, which is a place. Now, listen, this is blowing my mind while I'm reading it, even though I've read it five times. Listen, the source of life where we can cleave and attach ourselves to with our teshuva and our prayer. Notice we have to confess our repentance. See, Romans 10 is not anything new. Anyway, the source of life which is a place above all revealed attributes. You know, the Sephiroth, you know, Chokmah, Bina, Da'at. Yeah, go all the way above that. Teshuvah and prayer gets you above the Sephiroth. Talk about counting the Omer in a moment. Saved in the 
in the twinkling of an eye. It says, and is a place of total compassion. In other words, prayer and teshuva lift a person above the relative empirical world to the transcendent world that the author discussed in most of the chapters of this preceding one. From this place, a person receives all salvation and blessings. Sha'ar ha'emuna ve'yesod ha'chasidut, entrance to the gate of Beit Yaakov 24-2. Zohar Korach 1 says, how supreme are the matters of Torah, how precious they are. They are desired above and they are desired by all because they constitute the holy name. Whoever toils in the Torah strives for the holy name and is saved from all evil. Notice it says if you desire Torah, you get saved. Man, that's a lost statement for today. It says, come and behold, whoever deals in the Torah is attached to the tree of life. And since he is attached to the tree of life, he is a part of everything. As it is written, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Proverbs 3.18. Go down a little bit in this Zohar portion. It says, Korach turned to disagreement. What is the meaning of disagreement? Distancing and repulsion. The distancing and repulsion of what is above and below, and whoever wishes to postpone the restoration of the universe. I said, whoever wishes to postpone the restoration of the universe. How do you do that? By despising and repulsing and distancing from Torah. You're prolonging the exile and you're prolonging the what? Oh, yeah, the restoration of the universe. I'm just going to tell y'all right now, I'm going to need 10 extra minutes. Is that okay? Hopefully it is. I'm so sorry. But I just looked at the clock and I'm like, I haven't even started yet. 10 minutes. So we will be going to 810. I promise with the help of Hashem, we will stop. I'm sorry, I had to. Okay, there's been a 40-minute Aliyah before, contrary to popular knowledge. Okay, so Abba, I'm sorry for doing this, but I got to. Okay, please forgive me. Alright, so, the creation of the universe, goodness, I hope I don't get in trouble. Alright, even if I do, Rukashem will fix it. Alright, so, but this is important. It says, whoever wishes to postpone the restoration of the universe will become lost from all the worlds. Conflict is a distancing of shalom, and whoever is in conflict about shalom is in disagreement with his holy name because his holy name is shalom let me repeat that you're in conflict you want to distance from the torah you're in conflict with hashem just like korak was in conflict with moshe that's a problem speaking of repulsion baal haturim Still in the first verse on Baal Haturim. It says, The Targum Yonatan ben Uziel paraphrases verse 1 and 2. Korak, son of Yitzar, took cloaks fabricated entirely of Tehelet. Guess who made that? His wife. His wife was a seamstress, and uh, she made some Tehelet garments. So, 
She made a bunch of these because Korok, Datan, Aram, 250 other people, and who else wanted one? She was just like, if you want some, come get some. It says that it was entirely up to Kellett. They stood defiantly and they decided the law regarding the matter of Tekelet contrary to Moshe. Moshe said, I heard directly from the mouth of the Holy One, may his name be blessed, that the Zitzit strands are to be made of white wool and one strand of Tekelet among them. Drive-by source Sefer HaKinuk on the mitzvah of Zitzit says that the human uh, embryo comes into conception and it grows and develops. It looks like Zitzit inside of the womb. So the way we're fashioned, we look like Zitzit. We are like a bunch of strings, and then the blue tekelet, the tekelet represents the soul that comes down into the body. So we start off literally as the, the strands that don't have the tekelet, and then the soul comes in and winds into the development of how we are. So anyway, Sefer HaKinuk on Zizi. Sefer HaKinuk, uh, Mitzvah 386, which is the same gematria as Yeshua. Is it any wonder that the whole thing about a new creation and a ZZ is 386, which just so happens to be the gematria of Yeshua? I mean, I don't know what to do with that. It's wearing me out. Pun intended. Okay, but I love it. Okay, so um, I heard directly, we got to have the Tekelet on there. Korok and his cohorts fabricated the cloaks with their ZZ. Entirely a Tekelet, something that God did not command they were assisted by 250 men. Arguments regarding law can take a diff can take different forms. So it goes into that. But basically the point here, it says that Korok's 250 followers were members of the upper echelons of the judicial system. Members of the Sanhedrin were a part of this. We just got a new Sanhedrin at the end of Parashah Beha Aloteca. And now, we're going to need to get some new ones. Thanks a lot, Cousin Corey. Anyway, upper echelons of society. Let's one think that the judges originally entered the dispute in order to ascertain the, the truth of their own arguments, but later fell in with Korok in the very first word of the verse that introduces to these 250 men. So, in other words... Korak was basically saying, you know what, Moshe, you are MSU. The Torah is MSU. Hashem is MSU. MSU is make stuff up. So I don't know about you, but I would not want to be there in that position. Um, next point, Bahatorin from this Aliyah, Rukashem, says that um, Korak whined and dined his his group of people that he got, he whined and dined them and flattered them so that he should continue providing them with food and drink. In other words, Korak was the flattered, or was the flattered, and his followers were the flatterers. Most times, dissensions, maklokits, you know, uh, any kind of disputes and things like that, there's always flattery. Notice how everything that we do when we teach Torah, when we share Torah, it's not about flattering anybody. We could care less if you think we're awesome. We just tell you the source and we read it and we bless Hashem. So anything else is a byproduct and we're glad for whatever Hashem gives us. Remember, we're grateful for any gift that Hashem gives us. But flattery is a thing. And it says, too, 
that uh, the sinners that it talks about in this assembly, I'm on verse uh, three in chapter 17. It says that this is despite seeing all the miracles wrought by the hand of Moshe, they chose to dispute his leadership. It's one thing to like, you know, say we're against somebody, but when you've clearly seen the track record and you just, yeah, you never ran a day in your life, man. You didn't split no sea. You didn't take us out of Egypt. You didn't leave your family in Midian and come all the way over here. You didn't go to the burning bush. Oh, this one time when God started speaking to us, you were the only one who didn't die. Because remember, every word Hashem spoke, we died. Hashem caught our souls at the throne and said, go back. And then we died again. Hashem caught us again and said, go back. And then there's like, you know what? We're tired of it. Moshe, you go. Where was Cousin Corey then? Where was the MSU stuff then? See, it's critical to go back to these points that uh, truth is spoken and that you remember how you got here. Remember Shaul talks to the, the group of Galatians? He says, who bewitched you? You foolish Galatians. How do you think now you're just going to abrogate, run away from Mashiach because, oh, you're caught up in the Torah life. You're caught up in the mitzvahs. You're caught up in being observant. You know, you want to be like a, a, a pious Zodic. But you're a Baal Shuva. You'll never be that Zodic who never sinned. Don't forget how you got here. Don't forget who brought you to the party. Going off and dancing and playing around with other people at the party who'd be drinking Kool-Aid. Quit that. Put that Kool-Aid down. Get back over here. Anyway, Talene 42 to tag from the uh, four minutes. All right, Brugashim, four minutes, everybody. Four minutes. Are we good? We okay? We good? Everybody okay? All right. Talene 42 to tag off Musar today from the art scroll. Okay, it says that we are to be like deers panning after these springs of water. It says the heart swallows snakes wow this water we're going after sometimes there's like stuff in there and we gulp it down so in the midst of our tour observance in the midst of our pining after hashem there's going to be some some stuff that's going to be uncomfortable for us but we're going to have to consume it it says these snakes whose poison cause an intense heat within the stomach therefore it seeks water in an attempt to cool off some say that the hearts are pursued by packs of dogs and they run until they find a deep stream of water they cry out and plunge into the cool water which refreshes them and provides concealment from the dogs that's from the redoc the snakes that the heart swallows symbolize venomous hatred that comes from the non-jews that we as israel are forced to swallow and endure in the exile. Just to go to verse 3, because it talks about thirsting for God, it says, The perception of God achieved through Torah study is likened to drinking water. Now that's what we call high quality H2O. In the words of uh, the water boy. Fitting. Alright, my last point. With the help of Hashem, Todah Rabbah for y'all again, giving me a couple extra minutes. Hope I'm not in trouble. I am so freaked out right now. Uh, Medrash Tankuma, Simon 8. It says, Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, Speak to the assembly saying, Depart from the vicinity. 
So it says our rabbis taught four people are referred to as wicked, which is the word Rasha. Which, by the way, Yeshua said never call anybody a Rasha. But anyway, we go forward. We say, uh, one who stretches out his hand with the intent of hitting his friend, even though he did not hit him, he is called a Rasha. This is now why we do um, the saying of, would you like some ice cream and what flavor would you like? As opposed to saying, oh my goodness, I'm just going to throw you or get out. Anyway, I'm working on that. Get out is still a thing. I don't know. It's just really hard to contain when somebody just drops an insight and you're just like, what? But anyway, we offer ice cream now. We do acts of kindness. Would you like some chocolate cake after giving me a piece first? Anyway, uh, he said to the wicked one, would you strike your fellow? The verse does not state, did you strike in the past tense, but would you strike? One who borrows and does not repay. Guess what? One who is brazen and not embarrassed before somebody who is greater than him. Hmm, where have we seen that before? And finally, we have the one who is quarrelsome. Uh, and it says that Maklokit, you can make the acronym that it is a bitter anger person who punishes and lashes out, and a person who curses, and a person who uh, seeks to bring destruction to the world. End of our Aliyah today. Todarabha for giving me an extra couple of minutes. May every one of you be blessed, and thank you for joining us. Man, uh, totally out of time, but totally not out of content. So Bezrat Hashem will be back again. Keeping it to 30 minutes. But uh, Baruch Hashem, may each and every one of you have a Lila Tov. And to those of you who are just waking up, Boker Tov. <laughs> and Shalom, everyone. Shalom Aleichem.